listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Do you hate work? This question certainly applies to all of us. I'm not just talking about our jobs, our means of earning a living. Because work really does affect every single aspect of our lives. We all do, at times, struggle to be motivated to work. Sometimes we shy away from hard work in various areas. Maybe we are given some menial tasks, maybe chores around the house or what we might think of as busy work on the job. And it can be pretty hard sometimes to get fired up about those types of things. But God loves to work more than anything else. He is the ultimate professional. He labored to create the angels, the universe, earth, and mankind. And he is known as the gardener of the first fruits. The first fruits being those who are called out of the world today to support God's work. Even that term, God's work. Maybe we hear the word work in that term and cringe a little bit sometimes. Maybe it is hard for us to think about really exerting all of our effort, pouring everything we have into work. John 15 talks a lot about God's expectations for us in this area, and we'll take a little bit of time to expound on this. John 15, this is Christ speaking, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So in this analogy, God is the gardener, Christ is the vine, and all of us, especially members of the Philadelphia Church of God, are the branches attached to Christ the vine. And there are some branches that don't produce fruit and get cut off. There are other branches that are producing fruit, but God will prune and pluck those branches so that these branches produce even more. So being pruned and plucked by God can sometimes be a little bit unpleasant. <laughs> it can sometimes require some correction or expanding outside of our comfort zones. Yet it does bring forth an incredible result. John 15, verse 3, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 
Here again, another concept that can sometimes require some unpleasant things like correction. Becoming clean, clean from God's perspective up to that high standard isn't always the most easy process. And yet we become clean through God's word, applying God's word, which of course takes a lot of hard work. Continuing here in verse 4, John 15, verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That is where our motivation to work must come from. It must come from God and Christ. There must be an overarching purpose behind everything we do in life. Most importantly, supporting God's work, but also in personal character development, raising families, contributing to church congregations, working at our jobs. We have to ultimately be relying on God and Christ all the time for help with that. Continuing in verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So God's followers, his loyal people, produce a lot of fruit, which then makes God very happy with us. We have to produce fruit. We have to be constantly growing or else we get cut off. It's very clear. That's what God says. And thankfully, as this chapter talks about, John 15, he gives us all the help we really do need in in this area of hard work. He doesn't just tell us to work hard and... Expect us to do that without any help at all. There is an excellent article in the November-December 2014 Royal Vision magazine, How Your Job Can Help You Become More Like God. And this was written by Mr. Joel Hilliker. And in this, he refers to Proverbs 8. We can go over there. He's making this point about relying on God for help in our work. Proverbs 8, starting in verse 1. Notice this personification of wisdom. 
This is some crafty writing, some creative writing about wisdom basically being a person, a woman. Proverbs 8, starting in verse 1. Does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? She stands in the top of high places, by the way, in the places of the paths. She cries at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O you simple, understand wisdom, and you fools, be you of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Remember John 15, verse 3, talking about God's word making us clean. Here, wisdom is crying out. It's there. It's available to us. And we can obtain it. There is a difference between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. There's different levels to it. Knowledge is just acquiring facts and information. It, understanding is the ability to tell what is true apart from what is false, what is right apart from what is wrong. And then wisdom is the ability to put that information, that understanding, into action. So God wants to give us wisdom, the, the ability to apply what he says about hard work. The wisdom is crying out. Mr. Hilliker writes here, this isn't daily drudgery. This is an experience with God as your boss and coworker. He gives you jobs to do, then helps you accomplish them. So God is giving us the help. He's giving us wisdom. We have to look to God in our work. Mr. Illicker says as well, one of the most valuable lessons we can learn from hard work is to stop relying on ourselves and learn to trust God. When you think of work that way, you realize how much it can draw you closer to God each day. When something is too difficult for you, realize that God has the answers. He can give you those answers through the power of his Holy Spirit and oftentimes through your supervisor, co-workers, and family members. God is a builder. God gave Moses exact instructions for the tabernacle. He gave Solomon precise instructions for the temple. He told Noah exactly how to build the ark. God is the master at everything, and he wants to help you in your job. And like I said, that does apply to our jobs, but also to every other area of the Christian life. Everything worth anything takes work. And we do need that motivation, that wisdom, that deeper perspective sometimes to keep on pushing, to keep on working hard. It can be 
quite easy to maybe wake up late in the morning and basically phone it in for the rest of the day because, oh, well, it didn't get off to the right start. Or if we do make a mistake or we do get off track a little bit, to just think that we'll try to start fresh tomorrow. But God is giving us this help, and he wants to, he wants to see us apply that help immediately. We can look at Ephesians 6. Much of this article is talking about our jobs, but as we'll see, there, there is a part about specifically our support of God's work too. Ephesians 6. Think about if you worked all the time with this kind of an attitude, this, this type of vision. Ephesians 6, we'll read verses 5 through 7. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service, as to the Lord and not to men. That's talking about treating our human bosses as if they were Christ himself. Wouldn't that affect the way that we treat other people? Anyone in authority over us in any situation? Instead of nitpicking their flaws and being critical of them, just to justify our own shortcomings? What if we actually thought of those people as Christ, pictured how we would handle that interaction if Christ were there, if Christ were on the other side? That would make quite a big, a big difference. Plenty of us have bosses, and maybe sometimes it's hard for us to get along with our boss or to figure out where he's coming from or what we could possibly do to make him happier, fulfill his needs. And yet, if we raised our level of conduct toward our human bosses as if they were Christ. That would really solve every little problem that we have. Here's another passage to reinforce that point. This is in Titus chapter 2. Titus 2 verses 9 and 10. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things. Not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So obeying our bosses, anyone in authority, pleasing them. It's talking about not answering again or not talking back. When we are criticized or critiqued on the job or anywhere else, how easy is it to 
snap back, retaliate, or try to justify ourselves, make excuses for ourselves. And yet this passage says not to do that. It doesn't say, well, you can talk back as long as you have a good reason to. It just says, don't do it. It says not purloining, so not stealing or exerting low effort when we are getting paid. Or even if we're volunteering. We shouldn't be taking it easy. And what that does is it adorns the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So basically it's a good witness to everybody around us if we treat our bosses this way. People in the world can be amazed by that kind of an example. And they'll wonder how it's possible for us to conduct ourselves that way. They'll want to know what's inspiring them to uphold such a high standard of conduct, to be such a help to their boss. How do they do it? Well, it just gets back to this vision about hard work, treating our bosses like Christ, honestly working hard for them looking for ways to help them before they even ask for help and trying to meet those needs before we're asked to. So God is our real boss, as Mr. Hilliker points out in this November-December 2014 Royal Vision article. He is our real boss. He's the one who sees how hard we're working, even if we're by ourselves. Even with no other human beings around, he's still there. He sees how hard we work at our jobs, in our families, in our spiritual lives, even in our hobbies, the development of our talents and abilities. He sees it all. So that's, in a way, maybe a little bit intimidating, but also quite exciting. Mr. Hilliker writes here, think of everything in your life that God gives you charge over. Your family and relationships, your job, your home, your possessions. Are you taking care of them? Your talents and abilities, are you using them, developing them, multiplying them? Are you serving others with these things? Every physical and spiritual gift and blessing God gives you represents your father and your husband reaching out to you and committing something into your care to learn how to be a worker. They want you to use that gift to become more like them, more responsible, more giving, more selfless, and more loving. He talks about accomplishing things and how that feels good and how wasting time makes us feel unfulfilled and unhappy. He quotes an author who talks about when he's feeling a little bit down, he'll just start taking up simple tasks 
He'll maybe just clean up his room a little bit or organize his desk, feed the chickens, whatever it might be. But little accomplishments like that build on top of each other. And all of a sudden, we're feeling better. We're, we're feeling fulfilled. We're meant to work. It does make us feel better. And we can just keep on building upon those little achievements. And we can keep on asking God for help, for more wisdom, to follow through on his instructions about work. It's really an exciting, fulfilling way of life. And as Mr. Hilliker points out here, the greatest character builder of all is in God's work. Work is hard and it is fulfilling and it does build God's character in us. But above all, pouring ourselves into God's work is the very greatest character builder. This is a show about God's work. So you see how this all does connect. Even every other aspect of work in life connects back to God's work. Personal character development means that we can better support God's work. Helping and strengthening our families means that those families can better contribute to God's work. Building up our church congregations means that those congregations can better serve in God's work. And on the job, of course, is part of our character development. It's also our means of earning a living, making income, which helps us, again, support the work. So it all gets back to God's work. The greatest character builder. Mr. Hilliker says, do you realize what is the most powerful, potent means God has of building his character in us? Herbert W. Armstrong said it was God's work. That's right, the work of God. In a 1974 co-worker letter, Mr. Armstrong wrote, God has set before us his way of preparing us by growing in spiritual character in grace and the knowledge of Christ, ready for our part in the kingdom, reigning under Christ. And that way is our part in fulfilling the special end-time work of Matthew 24, verse 14. So under Mr. Armstrong, the church was preaching the gospel around the world as a witness to all nations. Now today, in the Philadelphia Church of God under Mr. Gerald Flurry. The commission is Revelation 10, verse 11. So prophesying again before the entire world. Prophesying again because Mr. Armstrong already did it. And sadly, it has to be done again because so many people in the Worldwide Church of God under Mr. Armstrong rebelled once he died in 1986. Continuing this quote from Mr. Armstrong, This is the way we grow and get ready for the kingdom by doing our part to finish the work. This great work of God, oh, excuse me, that sentence was Mr. Hilliker summing that up. Back into this quote from Mr. Armstrong. This great work of God 
is the way God has set before us for each to grow and develop spiritually. God's way, that of his law, is the way of giving, not getting. Those who try to simply get their salvation are in danger of losing it. God's work is a work of giving, giving the gospel of the kingdom of God. In 40 years, I have observed that only those whose hearts are in this great work are themselves growing spiritually. This was such a motivating subject for me to study. I'm sure it would be for anyone else who wants to try to study that too. Just the concept of work, what God thinks about it, how he loves it, and how working hard in every area really does contribute to us better supporting God's work overall. It can be pretty difficult to see God in mopping floors or cleaning out a chicken coop or mowing the lawn. And yet God is there in all of those things. God loves to see us work. And, the, and that's the reason why we feel good when we do work hard. God wants us to have that, that feeling, that payoff when we do work hard like him. God feels good all the time because he works hard all the time. And yet he also does give us a day to rest. Just showing his consideration for human beings, how we are physical, how we get tired, how we do need a little bit of time to rejuvenate each week. He gives us the seventh-day Sabbath. You can learn about that in the Ten Commandments. The, the, keeping the Sabbath day holy is the fourth commandment. You can also look back at the account of God recreating the earth in the beginning of the book of Genesis and how he created the seventh-day Sabbath by resting. God doesn't need to rest. He never gets tired. He's a perfect spirit being. He's not human. He's not physical like us. He doesn't need to rest. Yet he rested so that we would follow that example. But, of course, that Sabbath command in Exodus 20 also says, Six days shall you labor and do all your work. So the rest of the week, when it's not the seventh day, Sabbath, Saturday, we should be working hard. And then even on the Sabbath, when we're not laboring physically in our jobs, we should still be laboring spiritually. We should still be building our families and our congregations and we should absolutely be working hard to draw closer to God during that time. But God really does give us everything we need. He gives us the wisdom, the motivation, the vision to work hard. He gives us the Sabbath to recover so that we can work hard all over again the next week. He gives us this work of God, this greatest cause on the entire planet, to be a part of. He works hard and he wants us to work hard to become more like him.
Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 1130 a.m. Central Time.